Well, folks, um, I'll ask Richard to bring up the um, PowerPoint, see if this is working this morning. Fantastic. Two seeds. I'll explain all about that and what I mean as we go on. But this morning, we take a break from our Acts series just for one Sunday. And that's because originally when I planned the series, I thought and hoped that we'd be back gathering in some way in the building. I penciled in a few possible verses, one of which Ian's just read there. Um, but I intended to speak from the heart about what the Lord might have been saying to us in a moment of, of joyful gathering again as we step forward. But of course, that's not quite where we're at, is it? You see, we find ourselves getting close to the point of stepping forward in the sense of gathering physically once again. And don't forget, we gather this morning in our homes, but we gather together in the name of Jesus. But we are looking forward to gathering physically again, aren't we? Um, and yet we saw uh, the goalposts move, if you like. Things shift dramatically uh, over the course of a week, both nationally and locally. So the time is coming. When the vaccine rollout and amazing that that has been and don't forget it's grab a jab this weekend if you've not had one already if you're younger and you've not yet had your first jab I think some second jabs are available if your timing is right uh, locally grab a jab just type that in you'll find details online about that but the time is coming when uh, we will be able to say look we are vaccinated and things are as good as they can be and we will step forward now is the time but we're not at that time yet. And when we do get to that time, uh, we're going to try and make sure that everyone feels included. Those who are able to gather in person, those who are at home and would prefer for that season to remain tuning in in this way. Whoever you might be, whether it's because you're far away or local, um, you will feel part of us still. But what do we do in the meantime? What do we do with such a time of this? Because it's a strange time, isn't it? It's a I'm ready, but I'm not sure if I am ready yet time. A nearly but not quite time. A let's get going, let's gear up, but now let's stand down time. And if I'm honest, times like this, limbo times, can be really exhausting. I think perhaps the most exhausting times in my life looking back have been limbo times, waiting for something to change, to step to the next thing, uh, especially when it feels like you're getting close, but you're not quite there yet. It's a bit like when you need a wee in, uh, on the motorway and you've held it for, you know, an hour and then... The services are only, uh, you see the sign, they're one mile away, but suddenly you need a wee more desperate than ever before and you have to hold on right until you get to the services. It feels like we've got to keep holding on right now. And if I'm honest, for some of us, it might just feel exhausting. And we may be feeling that our commitment to church or to following Jesus is beginning to waver. It might be that for some of us, it's a huge time of testing. And in fact, I think it is a huge time of testing for all of us, part of our discipleship right now, about how we follow and how we trust in such a time as this. But the waiting can make us doubt sometimes, maybe our faith or our own feeble efforts to cling on, if you like. It seems like these kind of moments only lead one way, down. But I also want to say to you, is that moments like this are unique opportunities. Yes, even these moments when we're really near, not just the beginning of lockdown when we had lots to say or in the middle when we thought, well, it's 
but now when we're not quite sure and we're really weary and we're just ready but we're not quite there yet, this moment is an opportunity to clarify what our faith is really all about or who our faith is really all about. You see, in moments like this, I believe we've got an option. We, <laughs> we can kind of just drift or even walk away from Jesus. Or we can decide to pursue Jesus even more. Because times like this, genuinely hard as they are, are when so much of the superfluous stuff is stripped away and so much of the stuff that we thought we needed and depended on isn't there right now. But what's left in the centre can be made stronger than ever before. And I know it's true, this, what I'm saying, because... I went through an incredibly time of in, uh, incredibly difficult time of in between of limbo, if you like, when I was a young adult. You see, I'd been on the receiving end of some really difficult behaviour from a well-respected uh, Christian leader, some horrible behaviour actually, and it wasn't just me. And this really shattered me, and it really hurt me. And eventually, I was able to kind of call out this behaviour and make sure it stopped. But although I felt a strong call into ministry, I knew I couldn't go into it straight away. I knew I needed time to recover, time to wait. And I entered these years of limbo, if you like, waiting for the moment where God would say, yes, now is the time. And when I very rarely share the details of this story with a close friend, they often ask, why didn't you just walk away from the Christian faith at that point? Why on earth, after everything that happened, didn't you just walk away? And on reflection, my answer has always been, the amazing thing is rather than it leading me away from Jesus, when all around me failed me and hurt me, and I realised that he never did, that Jesus never did. He was the one, actually, that I could always trust. When everything else fell apart, he was the one who was always right by my side. He was the one who was sure and true and unswerving. He was the rock on whom I could stand. So instead of walking away from Jesus as all around crumbled, I actually became more Jesus-centred or Christocentric, if you want to use a nice posh theological word, than ever before. And I still am unashamedly so. You see, there was spiritual work that was done and seeds that were sown in that limbo, waiting, not quite there yet season of my life, where there was hurt and there was confusion. But there were seeds that were sown that could never have been sown without it. And that's exactly what I want us to realise again this morning. You see, I simply want to call to you and to me, however weary or not that we may be right now, I want to call you this morning to step closer to Jesus. Let's see if I can click this. Let's see if this works. Yeah, to step closer, even closer to Jesus. You see, there's so many things I'd love us to step into as a church family. Many missional activities that I and many of you are sensing God is already stirring in us for the next few years. <clears throat> We've got a new vision that we're going to explore together for each one of us to find our place in. Yet all these things are lovely, but we can't do one of them. None of them are anything without Jesus, without him. Without him, 
with us, without us catching and sharing his love and heart for this world. And so I sense this morning is a time of opportunity, an opportunity to simply reorientate ourselves, if you like, towards Jesus and to plant and sow seeds now in preparation for all that is to come. Think of it this way, if you like. There's no doubt that the ground we have stood on for so long has been shaken all around us. And the ground that we worked so hard in all of our activities has been fallowed of so many of those activities. And if we take that imagery further, it's as if the ground actually has been ploughed. And it has been rested. So what do we do next? Sit back and let weeds grow in its place and take hold? No. Rather, we want to plant something intentional, intentional seeds that we know are going to bring the best harvest in the near future. You see, now is the time for planting the right seeds in our personal walk with Jesus and as a church fellowship together that will shape the future. You see, I... Uh, went out a few weeks ago for a walk, a deliberate walk, just to seek God. I knew I needed space and time to think and pray for me and for us as a church. And part of my walk went through my usual place, which is Hamilton Park, just up the road from me. And I walked again through the beautiful avenue of horse chestnut trees there that I've walked so many times. But as I walked this time, I was reminded as I walked under the shade and the beauty and I realised that they'd been deliberately planted by someone so many years ago. These weren't an accident, these trees that I was enjoying. Look how beautiful that is. But someone, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, who knows, planted them, probably knowing that they were never going to appreciate them like I did. They were never going to see the full beauty of what they'd chosen to do. But as I walked along now, I could see it. And I was grateful. The seeds that they had planted all those years ago shaped the beauty and the flavour of this avenue for many years to come. And I felt God saying to me that what we plant now as a church will shape the flavour of our church for the next five to ten years. If it's seeds of discontent and frustration or seeds of apathy self-reliance that's the fruit we should expect to yield later down the line but if it's seeds of faith and trust and hope and perseverance despite the difficulties seeds of worship and praise of justice and compassion and prayer then what a wonderful harvest lies ahead this may be a difficult time this is a difficult time for so many but i believe god's saying it's not a barren time it's an opportunity to once again deliberately, intentionally sow the seeds we want to harvest. <clears throat> so this morning I'd like to invite us to plant two seeds. Well, to think about two seeds that we could plant that we want to harvest. And they come from a very simple personal invitation I felt that I got from the Lord back when I was walking under the trees on that walk. I don't often get a word so clearly that resonates with me and stirs in my heart and that the Holy Spirit seems to really be pressing in me. But this was something I felt was that and something not just personally for me, but an invitation also for us as a church. And it was as simple as this. Pursue my presence and pursue my heart. Two seeds to plant. Pursue my presence and pursue 
my heart. You see, when Jesus spoke to his followers who were fretting about the things in this world that were going on around them, the struggles of everyday life and the myriad worries that they faced, he spoke about a priority for them, a priority they should set in life. Seek first God's kingdom, he said, and his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you as well. Seek this first. Pursue it. Keep on orientating yourself over and over again towards the priority of the kingdom and the ways of God, Jesus says. And we may feel, and this sounds like uh, an invitation to pursue something abstract, a concept, a concept of the kingdom. It's cerebral or practical or functional. But actually, I want to hear, I want you to hear again this morning that the heart of this invitation is actually personal. Because the one who is inviting happens to be the king of that kingdom. Seek the kingdom, Jesus says. Well, you can't pursue the kingdom without first pursuing the king. Without the king's presence, there is no kingdom. And we cannot seek his righteousness, that is his good and his perfect ways for our world and for our lives without first knowing his heart. Without first getting to know his heart. So here are two foundational seeds that we can plant again, and I encourage you to plant again this morning, together, each of us in this season now, so that we might see a wonderful harvest over the years to come. Let's just look at them briefly for a moment. The first seed then, to pursue my presence. You see, at the heart of all we do, and I've said it already, is Jesus. Really, it is. You want to know what we're all about? It's about him, our Lord, our Saviour, the one who is worthy, our friend, our King. And at the heart of the Christian faith is his invitation to us to come. Wow. Right at the heart is this invitation to come. Come and know me, says Jesus. There is no other way. The only way to the Father is through me. The only way to forgiveness, the only way to life is through me, Jesus says. Come, he would say to the people when he walked on this earth, to all who would listen. Come if you're burdened and heavy laden and you'll find rest. Come if you're hungry and thirsty and you will find living water. You will be satisfied. Come away with me and rest, he said to his disciples. And he says again to you and I, come, I'm here. Come and pursue my presence. You see, the invitation to pursue God is an invitation that has echoed down through the ages. Seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. We hear God say in Jeremiah, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. Always we heard read by Ian in Psalm 105. But how do we seek his face Always. How do we seek his face? Always. How do we pursue his presence? Well, there's no doubt here that the psalmist in one way is saying, look, continue to regularly seek God's face when you come to the temple in worship. When you set aside time to practically Shift your location to switch on your computers, whatever it might be, and to focus on God. But he doesn't just say seek his face 
occasionally or when you come to the temple. He could have said that. But rather he uses this word always or continuously. And this suggests to me that he kind of had the idea that people might be seeking God when they were working in the fields or in the markets or eating around the dinner table with their families in their everyday lives, not just those special moments, those activities of worship. You see, this suggests that seeking God's face and pursuing God's presence is not just isolated to certain activities. Those activities are really important, but it's also actually an attitude and a way of thinking that we bring to everything we do in life. It shapes everything we do. And I think this is what Paul is teaching us when he says, do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the way of thinking, by your way of understanding, let that be renewed. You see, if we're going to pursue the presence of Jesus in everything we do, then we need to renew the way we think, or at least allow God to renew the way we think by his spirit. We need to understand and approach things differently, not just the same as everyone else. There should be a difference for us as Christians, and there is if we would let God renew our minds. You see, we may accept in a kind of cerebral way or cognitive way that Jesus is always with us. What I was talking about in the family slot, we go to work, we go, we drive our car, we go shopping, we watch TV, we exercise, we eat, we return to bed. And yet it's so easy to do all of this without the slightest regard that the king of the universe is actually with us, isn't it? We so often keep Jesus to our prayer time or church time, we've forgotten actually the invitation to pursue him in our always time, in all of our lives. It's not just the deliberate activities we need it's also the overriding attitude, this orientation towards God and his presence, this renewed way of thinking that allows us to recognize and appreciate and pursue his presence in all things. So how do we begin to let our minds and attitudes be transformed? How does the spirit begin to do that work in us? Because we can block that. We can shut that down. If we're disinterested, God's not going to force this on us. How do we seek to pursue God? In our everyday lives. Well, Psalm 105 has some pretty cool advice for us. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. I need David Pengilly reading this, really. He's a man of passion. I love it. Uh, give praise to his name. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. Always. I think amazing verses. Psalm 105, wonderful. You see, the first thing we notice here, and let me just switch slide here, is that there are three almost practical things, activities, deliberate activities we can do and should learn to do regularly. And these are praise, remember and depend. First, let's learn to become Daily worshippers or praisers, let's not give up on church right now. No, I know it's really hard for some of you. I know for some of you it's really helpful right now, but it is not all that we might want it to be. But let's not give up. Let's come and prioritise prayer and word and praise with our brothers and sisters. The privilege of that, as Ali was saying about in her prayer, 
Let us also find ways, though, that we can worship in the rest of the week. And you're going to have to do this, guys. No one can do this for you. Take hold of this part of your faith. Opportunities, ways of worshipping Jesus at home or at work or in the car. Take moments aside from just your regular prayer and reading to just say out loud or to tell him in your heart that he's wonderful whenever and wherever. Wow, you begin to renew your mind as you do this, your way of thinking, just speaking out loud, saying I love you as we praise him. We begin to renew our mind. But secondly, we are encouraged to deliberately remember and tell of his wonderful acts. I love this. The act of remembering all that God's done. It again helps to renew our thinking and change our perspective and our orientation in our everyday lives towards Jesus. You see, let's credit him for the many things we have to be thankful for each day. I I read once the hardest thing or the worst thing about being an atheist is when you see something wonderful, you don't know. You have no one to thank. But actually, we know who to thank. So let's get thanking him, the King of Kings, the Lord of all. Let's take moments where we deliberately look back and remember all that he has done in our lives. And as we remember, let our minds be renewed. And finally, let each one of us who say we actually trust him actually learn then to depend on him. To look to his strengths, as the psalmist says. Yes, you know, when those big decisions of life come, we need to do lots of practical things ourselves. We need to do lots of planning ourselves. It requires logic and rational thought and energy and stepping up and getting on. But in all of it, whether it's house moves or new jobs or surgeries or big life events, whether it's struggles, exams or family relationships, let's learn to look to him and tell him and involve him and depend on him. Lord My trust is in you, let us say. Let's actually set aside time to ask him to lead us as we depend. Let our minds again be renewed. It may be that for some of you this morning, and I say this, please hear it if this is you. You need to set time aside right now. A quiet morning, a quiet day, a retreat week, if that's even possible for you, to deliberately once again seek the joy and the privilege of the presence of Jesus through praise, through remembrance and through prayerful dependence. But also let's recognise that we're called to seek his face always, not just in the certain activities of praising or remembering or depending on him in certain situations, but pursuing his presence in everything we do. So, okay, just go back to what we did earlier. Picture yourself. Where are you going to be tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Can you imagine if I could just click my fingers and up on screen, just like in that Izzy Worthy, uh, would come a whole load of photos, still shots of exactly where you are tomorrow, just as God knows where you're going to be. I wonder where you'd be and what it would look like. I wonder for some of you, we'd catch you at home on your sofa, maybe catching up on the joys of the Wales, Denmark or Exeter Harlequin games yesterday, they were not joyful games, either of those. If you're either a Wales supporter or an Exeter supporter, I know, commiserations. Or maybe we catch you at work, busy, focusing, concentrating, or exercising, or gardening, or driving, or raiding the bargain shelf at Sainsbury's. Or maybe we catch you still in bed and eating a late breakfast. I don't know. But wherever it might be, is it possible to pursue 
presence of Jesus there and then? I want to say yes. And here are three words. If you've never thought about pursuing the presence of Jesus there and then. Three words that will help us to remember to seek his face in any and every situation. And the first word, let's see, let's bring these up, is to invite. Invite the Lord to come and be with you. And scribble these three words down. Stick them on a piece of paper, whack it in your wallet. So tomorrow at work or wherever you are, you can look at these and ponder on them again. Perhaps write the first three down as well. But these three particularly for your everyday situations. Invite. Invite the Lord to come and be with you and move in the situation you are currently in. The truth is we know he is already with you. But by simply saying, Jesus, please come and be with me now. It's our mind, our thinking that is transformed, is renewed as we realise afresh that he really is with us. When we dismiss this with a, oh, I know he's always there. I don't need to invite him. We can actually end up sort of inoculating ourselves to his presence, sort of dismissing it and overlooking it, desensitising ourselves to the wonder that he is with us. I wonder just as you could ask God to go for a walk with you in the park. Could you also ask him to be with you as you shop in Sainsbury's or take your lunch break or as you clock in for the day or get in the van or as you stand outside the door to that important meeting or even as you sit on that sofa? It's amazing, actually, how a little moment of invitation opens our hearts and minds up to the wonder of the presence of the one who loves us. The one who is with us, the one we need The one who's not just a figment of our imagination or an idea we like to think about on Sundays, but the one who longs for relationship with us day in, day out, each and every moment. You know, I'm still learning this stuff. We all are. It's an invitation this morning from Jesus to step deeper into him, to step deeper into recognizing his presence. Well, the second word really quickly then is notice. And I love the Lectio 365 app. It's an app, if you haven't got it yet, I've talked about it lots of times. A fantastic app. Just type it into your iPhone or your Android phone. Lectio 365, L-E-C-T-I-O, Lectio 365. And it's a prayer app that just 10 minutes of listening on your headphones is just an amazing way to start the day. And it starts with the same wonderful words. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses on the presence of God. You see, the truth is our senses are so often scattered and it's natural. So many things to do, so many things we're talking about. But actually, if you take a deliberate moment to pause and to let your senses catch up, And to notice the truth that God is with you. You'll find you'll become aware in a deeper sense of his presence. So look for these moments. Take these moments to notice. Before you pray, before you say a word, just pause. And realise he's wonderful and he's right there. But also as you sit in the car, before you leave the house or enter that meeting, linger just for a moment. Don't wait for the time later when I've got my prayer time. No, take little times often when you're able to breathe in. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here now as you breathe out. Jesus, I love you.
And the final word then, oh, let's go up. The final word then is to question. Ask God questions. I know it sounds weird, but actually this is a reminder that our relationship with Jesus is two-way. When you ask a question, you'll find that you're looking and, and, and hopeful for an answer. Ask Jesus, so Lord, where are you already at work around me today, in my workplace or in this place that I'm at now? Who do you want me to encourage today? Who's hurting, Lord? Who's on your heart? Or Lord, what is it that you're saying about this situation? You know, it's amazing. The folks that I've spoken to that often get visions or a word from the Lord, and you might think, oh, why don't I get those? Well, one of the things that they do is they often start when there's a time of waiting on the Lord by just asking a question, Lord, what is it you'd like to show me? Lord, what is it you want to show me? By asking the question, you're putting yourself in a place of faith and expectation that God is with you and wants to reveal himself to you. So praise, and remember and depend, invite and notice and question. These are just some of the ways to sow the seed of pursuing the presence of Jesus more and more. Let us not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let us realise that Jesus really is with us in all things. And the second seed, and this is much quicker, is to pursue his heart. Pursue my heart, Jesus says. Seek first God's kingdom, he says, and then he says, and his righteousness. And what he means in this context is that we should seek the right and perfect and just actions of God, the way God does things and wants things to be. Seek that way of life. Seek the ways of God's kingdom Jesus tells us and another way of saying this and understanding this is to seek the heart of God. It's a beautiful thing. We notice that when Jesus walked on the earth, he didn't walk solitary. He drew people to himself, invited them to come close to learn from him, that his ways might rub off on them, that they might see what stirs his compassion and his passion and what he cares so deeply about and who he cares so deeply about. And one of the closest any of the disciples got was that lovely moment we read where John reclined with Jesus or potentially even put his ear on Jesus' chest, close enough to hear his heartbeat, close enough to hear the heartbeat of God, a heartbeat that is all about love, and justice and transformation and comfort and healing and kindness and community and forgiveness and salvation. His heart beat. The truth is, as we are filled with the spirit of God, as we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, as we read the scriptures and pray and encounter Jesus there, as we begin to orientate ourselves in our everyday lives to see and recognize his presence we will begin to pick up his heartbeat. We will begin to discern his good and perfect will. And we'll begin to learn what makes his heart beat faster, what stirs his compassion and concern, what he cares for, who he's yearning to see encounter his love around us that we may have missed, the issues of injustice in the paper, on the news, that before we'd have glossed over now begin to stir in our hearts because they're stirring in his the needs and cares of those who are broken or marginalized or bullied or discriminated against or abused. 
Words that we find in scripture such as the orphan, the widow, the poor, the left out, the isolated, the suffering, the persecuted, the homeless, the addicted, the spiritually sick, the adrift, the marooned. We begin to realize God's heart for the least and the last and the lost, to see them rescued, loved, healed, forgiven, appreciated, set free, included in the family, in the community of God. And our hearts begin to match his heart. So, too, we begin to notice the injustices in society, in politics, in world economics, in how we treat and mistreat this world he made and loves and asks us to care for. We realize he cares about these things, cares about foreign aid, believe it or not, about vaccine distribution done fairly, about cladding on towers in London and the tragic collapse of a tower block in Miami. He cares about refugees and about arms trades and about G7 summits and healthcare provision, about mental health and online bullying, about meals for children that don't have square meals and legal support for the bereaved who are in that time of vulnerability. These things, they're not superfluous of our relationship with Jesus. They're not things that get in the way, but rather they are things that are on his heart and come out of pursuing his heart. The truth is, as we get closer to Jesus, the more we pursue his presence, then the more we will want to see his ways come, the ways of his kingdom of righteousness and justice. We will begin to feel like he feels and see like he sees and have our hearts break for what breaks his. And that's why we're going to be stepping forward into this new vision to see individuals, families and communities transformed by Jesus, by his presence and by his compassion. This has emerged from us as a church family. It's come up from within what God has been stirring within us, our love for the spirit of God to move amongst us, our heart for his presence, our desire to just meet with him afresh. But so too our increasing desire and stirring in us to reach out to the hurting and the broken and to see lives transformed through the compassion of Jesus. It comes from the heart of Jesus. We want to see lives transformed by him and his kingdom, not by us, by Jesus. And the first step, I believe, before we step into all that that might be, is to sow these seeds, to orientate ourselves towards him, to sow these seeds in our personal lives and as a church. And that first step begins now, afresh again today, even when it's hard and we're weary, even when we might be disappointed we're not together. Let us plant the seeds that are going to shape our future. Let us prioritise pursuing his presence and pursuing his heart. Friends, I'm going to finish here, but I just want to ask you, I wonder, has your heart for Jesus grown cold recently? With all that's going on this time of limbo, are you missing him? Does he seem hidden? Perhaps you have a really low sense of joy right now, a deep struggle. Perhaps you feel like you're just clinging on, low spiritual energy if you like. I want to say to you, don't be surprised. Be kind to yourself. It's not been easy, but realise this, that even in these deeply difficult in-between moments in our lives, in these struggles, and in fact, even in the suffering, Jesus is so present. He's right here with us. 
And here again this morning, the invitation to turn your face towards him, to sow these two simple seeds, pursue my presence and pursue my heart, Jesus says. The truth is, as we choose to pursue him, we discover something amazing. We realise that we didn't need to look far at all. You see, he's not hiding. In fact, as we seek to discover him, we discover actually that he's been seeking us all this time. As we pursue, we realise he's already waiting for us. And as we invite him in, we realise he is already with us. He's the one who stepped into our world, our broken world, to reach us. He's the one who sent his spirit to fill us. And as we seek to be the woman in the parable, desperately searching for the lost coin, we realise and are humbled and are blown away that actually we're the lost coin. And he is seeking me and he is seeking you. So let's pursue him. Let's pursue his presence and let's pursue his heart. We're going to finish now just in a moment of quiet. And then we're going to worship together to finish the song. Be my everything, Jesus. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, help us now, in this moment, however we're feeling, to sow those seeds again. Help us to hear your invitation to pursue you and to pursue your heart. And we want to say, yes, Jesus, we will. We will, Jesus. Jesus, lead us on. And start afresh again today. In your name. Amen.